Well, good evening. Oh, I hope you all are well and staying as warm as possible. Um, my name is Marco. I'm the preaching pastor here at Storehouse McAllen. If you've got a Bible with you, go ahead and open it up to Lamentations chapter 3. And uh, while you look for that, it's in the Old Testament. It's a, it's a small, it's a short book sandwiched in between Jeremiah and Ezekiel to the major prophets of, uh, of the Old Testament. And so you'll see Lamentations uh, sandwiched in between them. Very, very short and small book. Um, while you do that, uh, today we are observing uh, Ash Wednesday, though we are going to be approaching the tradition of Ash Wednesday a little differently because we're not going to be doing the drama of the ash on the, on the forehead today in light of COVID regulations, and so we want to honor that, but that doesn't mean we can't gather to look at God's Word and hear the gospel. So in light of that, as you are flipping through the pages, I'd like to dig right into our time of Lamentations 3 and certainly the tradition that is Ash Wednesday. Life is hard, but God is good. That's the main idea for our time this evening, that life is hard, but God is good. For a moment, I want you to reflect with me on 2020. I know it's one of those things that we just don't like talking about or we've talked about enough. But I want you to reflect with me for a moment on 2020. See, I don't know about you, but it didn't really hit me until about three weeks ago that we have been walking and navigating through a pandemic. All of 2020 for me felt like weekly adjustments to something something that simply just was. A new norm that was imposed on us in a way that led to some of the most devastating events that we didn't simply and only experience, but had to figure out how to quickly normalize in our life. 2020 is written in history and demonstrated the hardship emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually that many faced. And I wonder if we have stopped to consider our own hearts as we look back at 2020. For instance, in 2020 we experienced political division. This is in no particular order, but we experienced political division where policy became the gospel. Division among the church spread because of differences. Unity was now being threatened among God's people and confused with uniformity. In 2020, we experienced loss. 
See, the pandemic that is COVID-19 all of a sudden placed us in a position where we were physically distant and absent from one another, our family, and our friends. And this horrible infection began to claim the lives of people that were at one point distantly removed from us where you knew it was your cousin's brother, sister's former roommate to all of a sudden things becoming a lot closer to home. All of a sudden, it was uh, uh, someone in your extended family. All of a sudden, it became someone that was one or two people removed from you. The reality started hitting closer to home. Funerals even became known as COVID funerals. Loss or changes in work forced people to reconsider location and their finances, forced to make difficult decisions for themselves or for themselves and their families. 2020, we experienced a great deal of fear where many, many went unaffected physically, but fear all of a sudden consumed them, where it was not only a battle, but a crippling and daily encounter. Afraid to go out, afraid to see people, afraid to live. Last year we encountered tremendous amounts and variants of frustrations where students and teachers were expected to change their entire method of teaching and learning in the span of a week. Teachers learning to fly the plane as they were building it. Students expected to normalize distant learning within a matter of days. Friendships were not just lost, but they felt like they were put on hold. Tensions and frustrations in the home increased. At one point, I remember seeing uh, uh, a statistic that at the beginning of the pandemic, when, when the valley was pretty much shut down, there was a 55% increase in domestic violence in Hidalgo County. There was a graphic that I think started off as a joke uh, for the state of Texas that said when everyone was shut down, the state of Texas was leading the charge in alcohol consumption. Tension and frustrations increased in ways that many of us will never understand, but many of us experienced to a degree in 2020. And as last year came to a close, and I'm just going to bring it to the valley, bring it home to McAllen, as last year came to a close, all of McAllen and the entire valley was celebrating and looking forward to 2021 because it was going to be a new year with a brighter future and with something different to offer. And maybe we will begin to see normalcy in our cities. I know for myself, though, I never said anything that I could remember out loud. I know inside I was thinking this is going to be over by uh, August. This is going to be over by October. This is going to be over by December. And there was this little piece of hope that suggested that as 2020 closes, 2021 will be totally different. This is where we really get to step on the gas and do things differently. Yet we quickly realize that we have not been released and so many of our previous experiences are still our current realities, not just our struggles.
However, life is hard, but God is good. We can look back at several of the things that I just walked through, and it can make us all sound like victims, and tragically, many were. And if we reflect back on 2020, it can quickly and easily feel like it was someone else's fault. Every single time there was a change. Every single time there was an adjustment. Every single time there was an inconvenience. Every single time something switched from one gear to the next. I think Eric said it really well earlier during worship where our propensity is to blame others. And so in 2020, it was easy to look back. It's easy to think back on our experiences and see or feel like it was someone else's fault. And all of the while, I'm not so sure that we have ever considered the log in our own eye. Life is hard. And sometimes that's because we make it hard with foolish decisions, with poor decisions. Life is hard because we live in a fallen and broken world where we long for restoration. That is the longing of our heart but is it for the benefit of ourselves or so that we would actually see things redeemed and made new? Life is hard, and sometimes it is because God is disciplining His people, not because He doesn't love them, but because they are His children. And because the the people of God still have fickle hearts, we forget about God his purpose, and ultimately that he is good. And that is why we observe Ash Wednesday. Because here we pause uh, many more of the things that we have going on to reflect on the condition of our heart, where we reflect on the things that we don't want to reflect on where we remember and realize that at the cross of Jesus Christ, not only are we sinners, but apart from the person and work of Christ, we are sinners in desperate need of grace. Sinners who are and have been longing, or who have been longing for our hearts to be fulfilled by something other than the only one who can satisfy our deepest longings. On occasions like Ash Wednesday, we lament our sin. We lament for our heart and our longings to be satisfied, to cry out to God without distraction. Christian, do you lament? In his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Mark Vrogop says this about lament. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. The Bible tells us that God is good and that God is trustworthy, and yet at the same time, in the midst of affliction, hardship, and difficulty, the Bible provides a way for us to cry out to God through lament, 
to find trust and hope in Christ. 2020 is done, and as we walk through 2021, make no mistake, God is present, is sovereign, and is at work in the midst of affliction. And his desire in affliction, or I should say it this way, in his desire in the affliction of his people is mercy. Tonight, as I mentioned, we're going to find ourselves in Lamentations 3. And I don't know how many of you have read Lamentations. Again, it's a book that often doesn't receive a lot of attention. It's a short book in the Old Testament. And oftentimes, many choose not to read Lamentations because it is filled with God's people undergoing destruction and desolation and discipline. It's written by the prophet Jeremiah who as looking at what sin does to the people of God and he finds himself in the midst of all of this destruction and all of this chaos and all of this desolation, he finds himself lamenting. And so what I'd like to do is is read the section of Scripture we're going to be in. I want to preface that Lamentation is a collection of poems. So when I say we're going to go through verses 22 to 33, it sounds really long, but in the language of poetry, it is not as long as it sounds. So I'm going to read verses 22 to 33, and then I'll pray, and we'll continue with our time. Here's what God says through Jeremiah. Beginning in verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes and let him be filled with insults. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you tonight, God, we ask that by your Spirit we would be drawn to humble ourselves before you, that we would be drawn uh, to your Word uh, in devotion and in worship. God, I pray that by your Spirit you would challenge and, and change and convict hearts, that we would reflect on the condition of our own hearts, that we would actually consider the log that is in our eye that we have been too stubborn to address. May that uh, be addressed, encountered, engaged, confronted tonight. 
And at the same time, Lord, we pray for our friends and family who have been affected by the weather this week, those who uh, just lost power, those who haven't had power for the week. God, we pray that you would uh, protect them and watch over them, that you would provide a way, uh, a means for them to, to get warm, to stay warm, to get some meals, whether that would be through the church or another fashion. Nevertheless, Lord, we are thankful for the time that we get to gather here tonight as we look and examine your word. So we thank you for this. We thank you for your mercy. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to begin by looking at verses 22 to 27, and we're going to look at, to an extent, a 50,000-foot view of, of what is happening in Lamentations. Before this section, before verse 22, uh, Jeremiah talks about losing hope. That he has lost all hope, that his endurance is weak and it is failing because life before him is hard as he is watching God's people walk through and encounter affliction. Sin has devastated the people of God, not just because of sin committed to them, but primarily and particularly because of their own sin. And Jeremiah is lamenting. Jeremiah is tired. Jeremiah feels like there is no hope. However, in this, Jeremiah remembers that the source of his hope is actually God's steadfast love because it is God who is faithful, even and especially when his people, when his children are not. As we look at Lamentations uh, 3.22, he opens by saying, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. If you take notes, if you're underlining, steadfast love is something I want you to circle and highlight. The word for steadfast love is actually something that you have been uh, receiving instruction and teaching on over the last couple of weeks from Eric who leads our, our worship the, the word for steadfast love is, is this Hebrew word called hesed, and it means or it is talking about God's covenantal love for his people. That is, his consistent, faithful, relentless, constantly pursuing love for his people. The English language cannot translate that word properly, so when you read through your Bible, you will see phrases or words like steadfast love or his loving kindness. Those words are referring to God's hesed, his covenantal love for his people. And this is not a generic love. It is his specific, passionate, purposeful love his faithfulness, and his loyalty toward his people. This love is never-ending. It is an ongoing promise for those in Christ. In the middle of affliction and in the middle of hardship, hope is not lost because of his steadfast love for his people. Every morning, by his grace, 
brings new mercies. The question is whether or not we actually look for them because if we're honest, and I want to be honest with you, finding God's mercy daily is sometimes hard. It's not easy all of the time. No matter how many times a verse like this gets thrown in social media or gets posted up on our walls in our homes, sometimes Though God's word is true, sometimes it is difficult to find God's mercies in the daily. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is God actually withholding His anger. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. And the Bible tells us that it is the mercy of God that leads us to repentance. When Jeremiah says that the Lord is his portion, what he is saying is that his entire heart has been given over to the Lord. Therefore, in the midst of affliction, as he cries out in the language of lament, what he is saying is we can wait for the Lord, yes, quietly, but eagerly and expectantly. As we cry out to the Lord through lament, it does not mean waiting for the Lord or being still does not mean abstaining from seeking God. And the truth is, when it gets really hard sometimes, we abstain from seeking God. We abstain from from asking God, begging God to reveal Himself to us through His Word. When it gets really difficult, if we don't abstain, we avoid God. Eric said it this way, where we hide behind our sin. And oftentimes we find ourselves hiding behind our sin or abstaining from us seeking the Lord because we are not taking the time or the opportunities to actually seek after Him and find His mercy in the daily. Because it is hard. That doesn't mean that it is not present. Can you... See the mercy of God in your life. The affliction of 2020, it is really easy to say how afflicted many people were and the hardship that many, had a pe- many people had to encounter and all the devastation that we experienced. Yet at the same time, if we look at the context of, of our small church, We saw God saving people, calling them to himself. We saw babies being born, new life happening. We saw marriages taking place. We saw marriages redeemed. We began to see children asking their parents really hard questions about God and his word. And though there were moments that were extremely difficult at times, if we actually consider and look back, how did God use those moments to actually protect us? Or, how did God use some of those really difficult moments for you last year to sanctify you, to mature you, to humble you? 
Yes, God's mercies are new every morning. Yes, they can be difficult to find. And they are present because of the promise of His steadfast love for His people. It is the mercy of God in affliction that leads us to repentance. Because when we're able to identify God's mercies in our life, one of the things we're going to talk about next is humility, but when we're able to identify the mercies of God in our daily lives, we ought to be humbled and brought low. You see, in repentance, we recognize our need for God. And we recognize that it is only God in Christ who can actually fulfill and satisfy what we are longing for in that moment. In repentance, we are actually surrendering ourselves before God. So the mercy of God in affliction leads us to repentance. Let's look at verses 28 through 30. Jeremiah says this, Let him sit alone in silence. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes. We do need to recognize God's mercy in affliction. And we also need to recognize God's mercy in our discipline. Once again, when you look at or reflect on 2020 or other times, it can be really easy and tempting to want to blame others. Make yourself a victim. And yet not look at the log in your eye and recognize, no, actually the affliction you are encountering is because of your sin. And God is actually disciplining you, sanctifying you. When we realize that we are being disciplined from the Lord, it is not because he doesn't love us, but it is because he is pruning us. It is because he is growing us, maturing us. It is because God is humbling us. You see, when we realize the mercy of God in his discipline toward us, we are humbled. We're brought low because we are being confronted with our sin and His holiness. And we're faced with depending wholly and fully and absolutely on God. And in our humility, we are able to actually walk through, encounter, and embrace our discipline. Because it is purposeful. That doesn't mean it's not going to be hard and it will be challenging and it will be sanctifying and it will be sometimes incredibly and intensely difficult. But it is not random and it's certainly for the Christian not punishment. Jesus bore that on the cross for you already by taking on your sin and becoming your sin. Therefore, discipline is God pruning and maturing and sanctifying us, but particularly, it is Him humbling us. And 
And if we're going to consider the log in our eye after the kind of season that we have faced, even in the kind of season we find ourselves in or you find yourselves in personally, Christian, does the mercy of God humble you? Does the mercy of God humble you? Listen once more to to Mark Brogop. He says this more about lament. He says, lament is a path of praise as we are led through our brokenness and our disappointment. So there is this ownership of our sin. There is this ownership of the condition of our heart. It is not merely conviction, but it is ownership of the sin we have committed because we are being confronted with our sin and with the holiness of God. Does the mercy of God in his discipline humble you, Christian? Or do you simply approach it and walk away arrogantly? The mercy of God and discipline ought to lead us to humility. So when Jeremiah says, let him sit alone in silence, in other words, let him experience that brokenness. Oftentimes when we begin to feel that, we're like, no, God, don't, don't, I don't want to feel this. I don't want to experience this. No, you and I need to realize that sometimes discipline is caused or discipline is caused by our sin. And so when he says, let him sit alone in silence, he's saying, let him feel it. Let him feel the conviction. Let him feel the gravity of his sin. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes his. Let him endure it. Let him endure the discipline. And the one who is able to endure the discipline, the one who is able to take the rebuke and the punch, is the one who is humble. Is the one who is humble in his mercy. And finally, verses 31 to 33, there is mercy in the person of God. Jeremiah concludes by saying, for the Lord will not cast off forever, and though he cause grief, he will have compassion. It's another word for mercy. According to the abundance of his chesed. He does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. Here's what Jeremiah is telling us. He's telling us that God does not delight or take pleasure in the affliction of his children. However, we must understand that God's disposition where he stands, his heart, his disposition of steadfast love does not annul his discipline or justice. Jeremiah in Lamentation tells us that God will have mercy on us in the midst of affliction, in the midst of discipline, because of his steadfast love. 
Now, the beauty of this steadfast love is that while we're asking how is this possible and wondering how this will come to pass, God highlights and fulfills this promise in and through the person of Christ. The hope that you and I can have is found in the mercy of the person of God and this is most highlighted and fulfilled in Christ. For the Christian, we can have actual and certain hope in God because it is the Christian who can consider the cost of God's mercy in sending his son to die for sinners on the cross. That is, in his mercy, God sent his son to pay the penalty for our sin on a cross, on our behalf, with his own blood that we might be reconciled, restored, and redeemed. At the cross of Christ, we are not only aware of the forgiveness of our sin, but that in his mercy, we have been saved by grace. That when we look at the hardship and the affliction of Lamentations 3 and we ask, where is hope? Or we feel like Jeremiah, where he says that he has lost all hope, that his endurance is weak, that his endurance has failed. And we wonder, where can we find hope in the midst of affliction? Or how do we find mercy in the midst of affliction or in the midst of discipline? We find it in the person of Christ as we consider that God sent his son to live the life that we cannot live and die the death that we deserve to die, offering us the free gift of grace and salvation that we cannot earn. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans 5. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The key word there is still. That's present tense. That's not just something that was written long ago. That is a present tense word. While we were still sinning, Christ died for the ungodly. Life is hard, but God is good. And this evening, my desire is for you to consider removing whatever is keeping you from seeing God's mercy in your life. That doesn't mean that it won't be challenging. In fact, it'll be sanctifying and sometimes very difficult. But the hope of the Christian isn't in the circumstance or in the fleeting feelings that cannot sustain, but in the mercy and grace of our good God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, the purpose of the season of Lent 
through Ash Wednesday is to intentionally hold on to God's grace through rhythms of repentance, through cries of lament, through fasting and self-denial, not to gain the favor of God in ritual, but to grow closer to our Father in heaven. So Christian, you can cry out to the Lord and you can put all of your anguish on the table. You can confess your sin before a God who is pursuing you. He promises it here. Therefore, repent. Repent of your sin and may the Lord meet you where you are with His grace according to His steadfast love for you. And if you're not a Christian, if you don't know Jesus, then you can come to know Him tonight through faith and repentance, confessing and turning away from your sin and placing your trust in Jesus. That the longings of your soul will never find satisfaction in this world. The longing of your soul can only be satisfied in the one that is true and faithful according to His mercy. Life is hard, but God is good. This evening, may we consider the time that we are spending together to find the mercy of God for us in our lives. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are prone to every kind of wickedness. We are easily led away to imitate it when there is any excuse for going astray and any opportunity that is offered. God, in this time together, may we confess our fickle hearts. May we confess that when we sin, we rather sacrifice work and bring offering rather than approach you with a broken spirit and a humbled heart. Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us according to your grace? so that we would continue and pursue purity of faith. Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us to remember what you have done for us in Christ, so that we may worship you in spirit and with a sincere heart, never turning to the corruptions of the world, the lies of the enemy, and the desires of our flesh. God, may we devote our souls and our bodies to you, that our life may in every part testify that we are a pure and holy sacrifice to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts 
be acceptable in your sight. Amen.